welcome to episode five of After the Bell Extra Credit. As we slip into June, the majority of questions that come our way are all about assessment. Like everything else this year, there's an opportunity to do everything differently because that's what this year has been about, doing things differently. Nicole and I are missing Alona today because she is so passionate about the topic of assessment, but we will do our absolute best as we welcome in two division colleagues into this conversation. Tammy Thero Soto and Joy Wicks are assessment consultants with Edmonton Public Schools and they work upstairs in our curriculum and learning supports team. So welcome to our podcast, ladies. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> you bet. Wonderful. So maybe we can just start out really uh, easily. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the journey that has brought you to your work um, in assessment? Tammy, why don't you start us off? Sure. Thanks, Carlene. Um, you know, I started my teaching career teaching at a high school. Um, and from there, uh, that was a temporary, uh, temporary contract. And from there, I went to um, get my continuing contract with a junior high school. And I stayed in junior high for many years. Um, it wasn't until uh, actually I had ch children that I thought um, I'd like to work with the younger kids. And so that took me uh, into elementary and so um, I spent eight years at um, uh, a K to nine school. It was a brand new school opened up and uh, worked with an amazing principal and amazing staff and dabbled into leadership opportunities. And so as I was, you know, um, represent as I was a lead teacher for our, our school and worked with other schools in our catchment area. That's when I decided, you know, I want a taste of something more. And I didn't know what that was. I thought maybe curriculum coordinator, maybe assistant principal. Um, so I was just looking and an opportunity in assessment came up and it was for um, the new curriculum and it was for an elementary consultant. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go for it. And so I did. And I landed my job as a consultant with Edmonton Public Schools and student assessment. And this is my third year with uh, assessment. And I'm joined with my partner here today, Joy. Okay, Joy, spill it. Oh my goodness. So a long time ago, I graduated my undergrad from University of Calgary. And I started teaching in high schools, uh, social studies in Calgary. So I taught seven years in Calgary Board of Education, a few years in Rocky Board of Education. And I was working a lot with Alberta Education, their learner assessment with the Social 30-2 diploma. Actually, back then it was Social 33. And I was doing a lot of marking, of course, and uh, going to item development. And an opportunity came to be seconded as an examiner. So that brought me up to Edmonton with the secondment with Alberta Education. When that was done, I landed in Edmonton Public High School teaching social studies, of course, for about five years, went back to Alberta Education as a 30-2 examiner again, <laughs> and uh, back to the classroom with Edmonton Public where I was teaching at the Stollery Children's Hospital School, actually, which was a very different experience and allowed me to take some of my assessment knowledge and 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 really use it on a one-on-one -on -one basis there. So when the opportunity to come downtown as an assessment consultant came up last year, I definitely grabbed that chance with all my assessment background and 
have enjoyed this year. The uh, different, as you said, Carlene, but uh, I've also applied to start my PhD in educational policy studies at U of A, uh, focusing on assessment, of course. Um, and we'll see what uh, shape that takes. I have an idea of where I want it to go, but uh, stay tuned for you know my book deal later. Just, just kidding. Wow, that's exciting, <laughs> and not, Joy. Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we'll see. That's so awesome. We'll see. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing your background with us. And it's always cool to hear stories about their journeys in education. And we have audience members from all around the world. Hello, Ukraine. Hello, Switzerland. It's so cool to see all the places that people are listening from. So just wondering if you ladies can tell us, please, about what assessment has Edmonton Public Schools in response to COVID-19. And just because we have people from other parts of the world, people might be interested in the way that we have structured our learning this year. So do you mind just kind of expanding on that, just give some context to people? Sure, I'll start and I'll, I'll take a look more so at what the high schools did, just because it was a little bit different from what happened from our our K-9 schools. Uh, So because of the need to adhere to those COVID protocols of trying to limit the number of students that were in particular cohorts, it was decided that high schools, well, the whole division, but certainly high schools, would be moving to a quarterly system of instruction rather than a typical two-semester system. So with these quarter systems, it was approximately, I don't know, about 10 weeks each and the students would be doing one course in the morning and potentially one course in the afternoon, depending upon their schedule. So that necessitated the the need for many teachers to really rethink not only the pace of their instruction, but the pace of their assessments Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that teachers have really, they've been forced to evaluate the amount of assessments that Mm -hmm. they would typically do for a Mm -hmm. high school course and really think about how to assess the learning outcomes in a different manner, especially online when students had to move to online learning as directed Mm -hmm. by the government at times during Mm -hmm. any of those quarters. Okay, that's really interesting. So that's been quite the impact. And so what about you, Tammy? Like, can you shed some light on maybe elementary or the K-9 model? Sure. So for grades kindergarten to grade nine, uh, the quarter system, you know, went, uh, involved having now two formal progress reports instead of three, and as well two interim progress reports, was, which was something new for elementary altogether. And those interim progress reports um, were held at um, the end of the other quarters. So uh, lots of information being communicated to families. Um, Parent-teacher conferences were, for the first time, held online. Uh, Students participated by sharing their work online. Um, And then, of course, the big shifts, you know, any time we had to go um, from in-person to online teaching and learning due to the government restrictions, that really impacted uh, the teachers and the families. Um, And and don't forget, uh, you know, every quarter, families had that choice, whether they were going to choose online for their child or children or in person. And so this impacted the teachers because sometimes they would see a different group or uh, different numbers of kids um, each quarter. Yeah, yeah. 
um, we're seeing that impact now as the quarter four um, is coming to a close because we have teachers, quarter four teachers who are responsible for determining a final grade for the student that they might not have seen in quarter one, two, or three. Right. So definitely yeah. there's impact there. Yeah. <clears throat> so thanks for explaining that, ladies, because like I said, we have people from all around the world. And, and I think most school divisions have had to do some shifting, but not all school divisions have had the choice that we have had where parents can choose for this particular year, you know, um, online or in person every quarter. So that's been a really good information. And so, Carlene, you want to come in? Yeah. Well, I just really picked up on something that Joy said, and she's talked about how um, because we've had to flex and take a look at how our quarter system worked, we really had to readjust what we think about assessment, how much we're doing. And I'm really curious what you've seen this year as far as some really creative approaches that we've seen um, from teachers around our division whether it's an assessment tool or uh, something that they put into a practice that's really helps teachers solidify their assessments in those shorter time frames. Yeah, you know, um, Carlene, great question. There, teachers are definitely um, being responsive to to what they're seeing online and uh, some really creative uh, ways that they're handling things such as feedback, right? You know, in person, they would observe their students, they'd be walking around, they'd be able to have um, these conversations with, with their students. And online, it's it can be exhausting for, for everyone, right? And so um, being creative with just providing feedback through like um, video feedback or audio feedback now um, to students, as well as written feedback, um, <clears throat> letting students have the choice too. Um, small groups, right? That that uh, Google Meet function is great for, um, you have to break up your direct instruction now, right? Mm. So the small groups are great for um, having kids share now with each other, having kids, um, having the students, you know, have a discussion and the teacher popping into the breakout groups and observing the students or listening for key vocabulary. Um, some amazing technical platforms have um, arose, you know, such as uh, one that I can think of is Flipgrid. And this is where, you know, students, um, many teachers have allowed their students, you know, to talk about their thinking, their understanding, uh, using the whiteboard or, mm -hmm. or some called it, you know, Teach Me Tuesdays, where every Tuesday, mm -hmm. student would go online and, and share, you know, the, a process for problem solving and math. And, and not only to the teacher, but to the class as well, because mm -hmm. the, the students can watch the video and they have an opportunity, you know, to, to like it, to put some feedback, to ask a question. Okay. through it. Awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Just to see how we can incorporate the student voice in our assessments as well. I love it. Um, Absolutely. Joy, do you have anything to add to that one? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> I have to think back to what the, the exact question was um, about 
the creativity, right? Was that yeah. the, or anything that's really emerged? <clears throat> and I think, and this might lead us down another path, of course, but but having teachers not just re- rethinking the amount of assessments that they do, because I think it was a time for teachers to think, oh my goodness, why was I doing that? Really, what purpose was that particular assessment serving? Um, But really trying to think of, especially in an online environment when they were forced to do so, of alternatives to perhaps the old paper, pencil, um, unit exams that they would have done in the past. And so Mm -hmm. I know we've provided some direction and just a little bit of a springboard, if you will, for teachers to think, you know, how could you assess this differently instead of worrying about the security of your of your exam? And, you know, one of my, uh, I guess, lines that I've often said is to rethink those unit exams or even final exams that teachers have used in the past because so much work has gone into creating um, exams that are blueprinted to learning outcomes that are valid and reliable statistically. And we don't want to lose that. We don't want to lose all that hard work. And I know there was a fear that going online, the security would be compromised. And and I totally understand that. And so we're saying, how else could you assess if it's not a paper and pencil exam? So there's different ways. I mean, that's not the be all end all. And I know we've got some uh, teachers here. Most people (laughs) will know that we have a diploma examination that most students would have to prepare for in a typical year. Of course, this year diplomas are optional in Alberta, but a lot of teachers say, well, aren't I disadvantaging my students if I'm not exposing them to all those kind of of questions and our response is you can use released items differently. You can use practice items just so that students are getting exposed to item types, but you're not necessarily using the answers in a summative assessment. You could be using it as a group. Hey guys, here's a here's a question. Let's dissect how to do this question. Hey students, what because what's the learning? You don't want right. to be teaching. You never want to be teaching to a test, right? You are instructing the learning outcomes that are provided by the government. So I think it's again just rethinking things and perhaps mm-hmm. rethinking the traditional weighting schemes as well. So there's there's many things <laughs> that uh, in high school teachers in particular have been have been using. Yeah, and that I I really appreciate you talking about the learning. And I think that when we were in person pre-COVID, um, most teachers were in some way had some sort of pull towards teaching to that looked like. And sometimes the learning process got lost. And so when you're in the situation where you're online or you're maybe forced to be um, back and forth because of the restriction from the government, you do have to really think about when I'm with these students, what is the best way to get the learning and the assessment done at the same time? Because the learning is the most important part. Absolutely. That's what we're in school for is for the learning. So um, I, I think that was, uh, that was a really great point that you rose, um, Joy. So thanks for bringing that up. So, just thinking about you know teachers now it's June and like Tammy said we're looking at year-end assessments so 
there's maybe a collection of evidence. Maybe there's not. Maybe there's the collection of evidence from other teachers, you know, if they're online, in person, all those kinds of things. So how can teachers look at their collection and start determining those final grades? What advice might you give to the our teachers, especially during a, a pandemic year? What does the year-end assessment look like? Well, again, like I said before, you may not be leaning on your old faithful final exams, depending upon the situation. So choosing an alternative traditional final exams, but you could do something like relying on portfolios. I don't think we've brought up portfolios. So this could be an opportunity to have students choose and select what they would like to bring forward as the best evidence that they can provide of learning. And because so many students, especially in the K-9 classes, they may have had more than one teacher in the year. So it's important for the teachers at the end of the year to, of course, consider the grades that were given on previous reports, but validate those grades with evidence mm -hmm. of learning that they see presented in front of them in that last quarter. And as always, teachers should feel free to use their professional judgment to determine that final mark and mm -hmm. not necessarily rely on a mathematical algorithm to determine that final grade for them. And so I think that's something I think that is a little bit of a light bulb moment for teachers as well this year. Like, hey, you mean I can do that? And we say, yes, you can always, you're encouraged to use your professional judgment. And so that's something that should be considered. Awesome. Tom, you do want to add anything? Yeah, you know what, it's everything Joy said, absolutely. And then permission to also, you know, if you don't have the evidence, if, if the evidence is not there, if there was, at least in our division, if there's a, a, a quarter where um, the student re could receive no mark or grade because the evidence was not there, um, you know, teachers do have the option to give, um, in Edmonton Public, we have a code that says course mark unavailable. And so they do have the option to, to choose that as well if, if they just can't, they've looked at all the data and they, they don't feel that they have enough to, to determine a final grade for the student. Awesome, Carlene? Well, I, I think that it's really interesting because there has been a lot of interruption with some families around mm -hmm just availability of technology and being able to come into schools and you know that is an option to remember that sometimes we just don't have the collection that we can report on yeah and that's right. probably the most valid thing that we could probably say mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. so this year there's been a lot of talk around just having a school year that has gone through so many different phases and different restrictions and some people even if they chose to be in person they got flung home because they're on quarantine or there's been some hybrid pieces going on and so there have been many people looking forward and and talking about what is going to happen in the fall um, how are you going to make sure that people land in the right places in the fall and um, utilizing the assessments that we have this year um, what are some things that we want to consider um, when it comes to assessments in the fall? Right, you know, in the fall, um, teachers pr probably are going to be even, it's nothing new. They've been doing this these same techniques. They're just going to be probably more intentional with 
administering administering the screeners or or the diagnostics um, so that they can take a look at as school leadership teams or as whole staff teams so that they can look, take a look at data and, and determine next steps. And at Edmonton Public, we're fortunate. I mean, just in the elementary um, school division, there, there is a lot of data that teachers can look at. Um, and, and we're introducing, as Joy knows, you know, one, one large scale test, um, the CAT4, where, where teachers will have an opportunity to look at, you know, literacy and numeracy data. So um, having the time to do that as well, you know, where we're, I believe there's going to be a more focus on providing support to teachers in the form of, you know, time. So it might be um, substitute teachers, uh, money is, is provided for substitute teachers to come in so that teachers can have time to attend these professional learning sessions about looking at data and determining next steps. And, and, not, and not only that, but understanding how to, um, how to intervene, right? Like what, how do you do that, right? So what kind of interventions for literacy? What kinds of interventions for numeracy? So that requires a lot of time. Um, and I know that the government has said that they're going to put money towards um, education for that. Um, so that's a start. That's definitely a start in the fall is just a, a, a more emphasis on looking at the data and evidence. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we're talking about assessment and reporting student achievement and student growth with parents, how can you um, help coach younger teachers uh, through those difficult conversations with parents who are really concerned about, and I'm using, you know, wiggling fingers in the air about something that's called learning loss and people are afraid their kids are behind and, you know, can you help our teachers navigate those conversations that they might be having with parents at the end of the school year? Yeah, and, and I know you've, the, the wiggling fingers, learning loss, and this is something that I, I think I've seen in the media, this assumption that the students all across the board, the world really, will be behind. And I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable at automatically assuming that students would be behind in some matter, because let me tell you, our teachers and even parents themselves have been doing a lot of work mm. to ensure that their their child or their student is progressing in where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as always, as a, as a teacher, you can reassure the parent that steps are being taken. Many of the things that Tammy is a has said already uh, about interventions and support coming in the fall. But as always, you, you focus on those learning outcomes, you take the students where they are, you move forward. And uh, you know, teachers have been doing this for ever really, right? Take right. those students where they are. And without that assumption that, oh, we're going to head into September and my, ch my child's going to be so far behind. Uh, let, let's just take the child where they're at. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really positive way to see the students and the year. You know, there's there's nothing that we can have done to control COVID or anything that happened around it. And so we I think we all tried our best and are still trying our best. And there are pieces that we can take forward, like um, Tammy talked about. And even some of the things that we 
you know, learned about online learning. We can now do that with more pizzazz and confidence in the classroom, even as we're moving forward to something that might look more like what we knew before in the past. And I think there's maybe a new freedom in assessment that people can appreciate that, hey, I was able to do these things during a pandemic and I, I taught the kids, the kids learned, I know their marks, they know their marks and what can I do differently now? So I think that there's some really positive things that can come through this. Tammy, you look like you might want to say something. Well, you know, Carlina or Nicole, I was just going to say that um, one of the successes of the online teaching and learning was was the relationships that were being built between mm -hmm. um, not only students and teachers, but the parents, right? Mm -hmm. Families had to get involved to advocate for their child, right? With technology, with um, the resources, the supplies that were needed, and, and teachers had to have, you know, be available outside mm -hmm. of the meeting time, right? Mm -hmm. So they had to have, if you will, office hours where where um, they could where they could invite parents to discuss with them. So, and I know in person is doing that as well. So I think that now parents might feel. Um, I hope that they feel um, like they can approach their teacher that like they they're part of the uh, the learning as well. And so moving into the fall, I would just say that um, when you asked about how. Um, teachers can coach parents and, and talking about like a learning loss or, or whatnot. I, I think that just communication in general is really important. So when parents come in the fall and they're anxious or they're nervous, the teacher just taking the time to listen to that, that's evidence, right? That's mm -hmm. just that go, that goes into the record book. And then the teacher is making observations throughout the classroom and then maybe reporting back through a casual conversation or now that, that, now that we know the power of Google Meets, it's so easy, and even families, right? It's so easy now to say, let's, let's meet online, right? Parents don't always have to come to the school now. So I think that's exciting. There'll be more opportunities for communication for all the stakeholders to be involved. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think that there's been some um, shift in the power maybe, and you know, there's power is now shared. Yes. Where everyone is really has the piece of the learning and that's how it should have been from the very beginning. And now it's just has organically evolved that way because we've been forced by a pandemic. So there's a blessing in COVID. So that's, I think that's good. <laughs> Um, is there anything else that maybe we missed asking you about assessment that you want to share with our listeners? You know, maybe some cool tricks or some innovations or a story. We want to make sure you have the last words. So, Joy or Tammy, what? how do you want to close this out? I'm trying to think of a story. We, we've heard many, and, and I'm trying to think of uh, some that come to mind because we certainly had many successes. I know in our we, we have a program in Edmonton Public called Leadership Excellence and Assessment Program, and one of our teachers, uh, he was on, online for the first time, and, and he I think he taught grade two, was it, or grade three, anyways, and he was using all these new assessment methods, and, and, and he was sharing with us how much success he was having 
even mm. during these COVID times mm. with his students and, and how thinking differently has made the learning visible in, in ways that he didn't think before. And, and he had a variety of different strategies that, that he used to just have the students vocalize their thinking through some of, I think he used Flipgrid or he used some other video kind of, of app, but, you know, he could really see where the students were coming from through the conversations versus just relying on former pen and paper methods. So he was, I mean, he came alive. He was very excited. So I mean, that is exciting. all kinds of discoveries that people are having. And like we've mentioned before, I think they will take with them uh, moving forward, even when things are quote unquote returned to normal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, I would say, you know, these times have, have really caused uh, or maybe forced teachers or invited them um, to not feel like they have to stay in individual classrooms. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, the, the teachers really, I think, for their well-being um, had had to open and embrace, um, you know, ask for help. And, and they did. And so many, especially success stories from our online teachers is they formed little cohorts and they, mm-hmm. they shared resources and they shared ideas. I mean, Joy and I provided tips and tricks, but it was through the chat in the conversation that they elaborated and they provided more tips and tricks for all the many contexts out there, right? Because there's so many complexities that every teacher faces and Joy and I couldn't, you know, um, imagine all the possibilities. So just, just them sharing um, that network of sharing was so positive to see. And I hope that going back in the fall, it continues, you know, that, collaboration between colleagues it's so much richer than just working by yourself doing you know everything feeling like you have to do everything by yourself because you don't there's such a great support network out there yeah yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing that and I I really do believe that there are some great things that have come out of this pandemic in terms of assessment in terms of learning um, relationship building and you ladies have really apples and stories and we really appreciate what you've shared with us today um, it's been a really inspiring conversation I think that assessment can be daunting to people and I think that people can feel especially if you're an office teacher and you talk about um, having your experiences behind you and your experience quota ship might be low um, I think that assessment might be a bit daunting, but you really have been sound very positive. It was very uplifting and inspiring. So thank you for these insights and ways to view assessment practices. And we're grateful, Joy and Tam, for you coming today. And all of the things we talked about with the learning and collaboration and including the parents the student voices, all of those pieces are so important. And thank you for highlighting those things. We're really grateful you came. So we anticipate there's going to be some questions and maybe some ideas. People might have their own assessment idea. So we encourage our listeners to please email us at teacherinduction at epsb.ca and we'll have that in the show notes as well as 
Joy and Tammy will provide us with some links that you might be able to use for your own assessment practices that might be new to you. Uh, you can share with your colleagues and maybe even use this year. And so those will also be in the show notes. Please remember to listen to our previous episodes. We have a really great series about hope and we're hoping that you will be a part of that and be and participate with that. And, and so that you can hear all of those stories and please make sure you subscribe, tell your friends because that's how we grow our community. And we're so grateful that there are people listening from all around the world. So stay connected, find your joy, and don't forget we're right here. We'll see you next time on After the Bell, After Credit.